What's up, all you good people out there? Welcome to Unrestricted. I'm your host, Ben Lieber. Uh, Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to this podcast and support this podcast. My guest this week, he and I go way back to 2002 when I was drafted by the San Diego Chargers. He was the lead team orthopedic physician. He's also worked for ESPN covering the Summer X Games, the Winter X Games. He's worked for the WWE. He's worked with Olympic athletes. He's got a Harvard medical degree. Did his residency at Northwestern in Chicago. Uh, went back and opened a practice in San Diego called Oasis Medical. His name is Dr. David Chow. And Dr. Chow has now become even more relevant and topical because of a niche market that he's created at profootballdoc.com. You can hear profootballdoc.com and all of his analysis on Sirius XM as he's the lead sports medical analyst. He does his own podcast. He works as well for outkick.com. He's all over, especially during the NFL season. So what he does... This is so interesting, and I feel like it was like one of those duh moments. Like, well, why wouldn't the fans want to know that? He basically watches the game as you guys would watch the game. An injury occurs. He watches the replay on the same television screen that you guys watch it on, but then he gives his expert analysis after 17 years of covering football of what that injury could be what the timetable could be for recovery, what that player is looking looking forward to when it comes to recovery, what the prognosis is going to be, and really ultimately, what's that do to that team, the depth chart, uh, the team that they're playing, the outlook for the team, uh, not only in the short term, but the long term. And he aggregates all of this information, puts it onto his website, distribute, distributes it out to the public, and fantasy football people love it. The, the gambling people love it, and I think just the general public wants to sort of know, oh my God, that, that injury is either gruesome or, you know, oh, what happened there? Didn't, didn't seem like the guy did much, but with his trained eye, he can tell you exactly what happens in real time. And that's really the reason I wanted to talk to him, uh, amongst other things that interest me about what he does. And that's really what we talk about. What was his his day-to-day, week-to-week schedule look like as as the lead physician for an NFL team? What does he do behind the scenes? You know, I, I always saw him there, but if I wasn't injured, I didn't really know what he was doing when we were in meetings and we were apart. So we kind of get into that. We talk about ACLs, Achilles injuries, the the why, what people can do to prevent those things, um, and then really just the importance of what he's doing now in the grand scope of sports and how people are utilizing his expertise. So here he is, uh, a longtime friend, a guy that I'd really admire and a guy that's doing great work. And please follow him at profootballdoc.com. His name is Dr. David Chow, and here he is on Unrestricted. This unrestricted podcast is brought to you by Douglas and Todd Bourbon, a Minnesota-made through-and-through bourbon. It is made, manufactured, grown, distilled, bottled, all right here in the great state of Minnesota, but not exclusive for Minnesota drinkers. You can go to douglasandtodd.com, find the store locator in the upper right-hand corner, and find the nearest liquor store that supplies Douglas and Todd throughout the country. That's right. It's an award-winning, a gold medal-winning bourbon made right from the great state of Minnesota, distributed across the country. I'm not going to get into all the notes. I'm not that qualified to tell you all the notes of caramel and oakiness and all that stuff. Just trust me. It's the best bourbon that you're ever going to have. It's made right here in the great state of Minnesota. Douglas and Todd bourbon at douglasandtodd.com. All right, Doc. I think we did it, man. Are you, are you there? Can you hear me? <laughs> you, you have to be talking to the most tech challenged guy in the world. And it's probably karma, Ben, because I remember when I was little, and this, yes, this is how old I am, going off to college and coming home and saying, Mom, Dad, what's the deal? Why is the VCR? Yes, VCR, blinking 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. 
oh yeah, we moved it. We didn't know how to reset it. And then get the car. It's like, why is the car an hour off? Well, we don't know how to reset the clock timer, you know? And now it's me. I can't do anything tech, tech wise. Oh, so I'm going to give the listeners a little behind the curtain of what's been going on this week. You and I, a few days ago, sat down, we talked, uh, we, we recorded the podcast, but throughout the podcast, it was um, some some garbled uh, electronic tech uh, distortion and distraction. Um, and I just said like, ah, I don't think we can use this. So we scrambled to find a time. Uh, you've been so gracious to find some time early in the morning in San Diego to record this. And um, I think we're going to pull it off, man. So I I, <laughs> I appreciate the time because I know you got the kids. You've got a couple businesses going on and uh, you're always going to and from. So once again, man, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, anytime, my friend. So how are things going? Uh, otherwise, I know we'll we'll kind of get people caught up. You are um, a guy that's that I've known since all the way back in 2002 when I was drafted by the Chargers, you spent 17 years as the Chargers lead orthopedic physician. Um, you've handled everything from summer X games, winter X games. Um, you handle all sorts of Olympians, uh, professional athletes. You have uh, a practice there in San Diego at Oasis. And then recently you've become very famous on social media because you've pushed yourself to go down. You say you're not tech advanced, but you've created your own niche in the sports world at profootballdoc.com where you basically analyze through the TV sports injuries as they happen in real time and then give people a diagnosis and what your thoughts are and people freaking love it. Well, th thank you, uh, Ben. And, uh, you know, uh, right now the biggest thing in my life is this, we've been scrambling because, uh, I'm the head coach of my son's 8U Pinto baseball team, Machine Pitch, and uh, we're headed to the World Series later today. <laughs> so that's been the number one task, uh, you know, corralling the, the, the little ones uh, and, and the parents, but it's been uh, quite fun. But yeah, thanks for the uh, intro there. And, you know, this is something that I literally fell into, fell into because after seeing a guy on the field, on the sidelines, in the locker room, and the next day after an MRI, I usually had about half an hour, 45 minutes to kill before meeting with the GM, you know, our weekly meeting. And everyone in the building, as you know, on a Monday or day after a game in the NFL watches film. Uh, the night after the game, people watch film, right? But Monday morning's a big film day. You say, well, let me look at the film and I'll get back to you on that question. Uh, players always say, look at film the next day. And there have been plenty of times where I've asked the player, well, what happened? So I'm not sure, let me look at the film because it was kind of a pile. I don't remember, it happened so fast. And so I knew the answer to the question. I knew the diagnosis based off of video sorry, based off of the, uh, the exam and an MRI. So I went back and looked at video to kind of, I don't know, learn more. Everyone in the building was doing it, reverse engineer what was happening. So my little, I don't know, carny trick or whatever is based off of 17 years of experience studying video when I knew the answer. Now, when I watch a game and with all the great coverage and the angles, I don't know the answer to the question in terms of the injury, but it gives me a pretty good idea. That's where I've been able to be in the mid-90s in terms of accuracy. But no, it's not diagnosis. It's an impression based off of video. And if you think about it, if a recreational athlete hurts himself playing basketball, hurts his knee, goes to the doctor, the doctor says, what happened? Because while I was playing basketball, I was, you know, came down this way. My, I got hit on the outside of my knee and it went this way well that's the video so um that's kind of what it's been all about and it's been a fun journey so let's go back you know i am fascinated by just your role i mean i don't think people and maybe they do realize when you look at a, a professional sports team and let's just take the nfl because that's what's uh, apropos to us you know you have you're 53 members of the team. You got your practice squad guys, um, which that is increased. So you're looking at 60 plus guys in the locker room. You have your coaches, you have uh, the assistant staff, you have the, the front office. 
But then all the while, the support staff, uh, which you were included, is doctors, trainers, strength and conditioning, uh, equipment managers. There's so many people that work behind the scenes. I love to get to know what you guys did behind the scenes. Could you take us through just sort of a, uh, you know, maybe a full Monday or maybe a game day into a Monday, Tuesday, and how you evaluate and how you work with the team, how you work with the head trainer, how you have communication with the GMs. You know, what is what is the process of a lead orthopedic on a football team? Oh, sure. Happy to get into that. And, uh, you know, I love your questions uh, and, and the behind the scenes stuff. Do you remember, did you ever watch a, a short a series that went for a year uh, called Sports Jobs hosted by Junior Seau? And that's exactly what he did, right? I mean, he went behind the scenes, you know, at Boston Garden. He, he went and talked to the Zamboni guy, right? And, uh, you know, or a or Browns crew or anyone behind the scenes. Uh, he actually asked me to do it. The team said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why? Why did they Why did they balk at that? Uh, you know, Just too uh, much behind the curtain? Maybe. And perhaps they were worried about, you know, medical information getting out because of this, that, the other, I don't know. I mean, uh, it was, it was fine, but I don't know. There's a lot of things that go into those decisions, I, I, I guess, but well, the, the main thing I'd say about the team position job is everyone pays attention to Sunday, right? And there's mm -hmm. no question Sunday is special. And even right now, when I uh, watch games on Sunday and, you know, get the quote control room or war room and, and do what we do with all the different screens and watch all the games, there's two things I miss about the NFL, believe it or not. I mean, of course, you know, when you're winning, it's a great feeling, but it's the locker room and chat with the players. And believe it or not, the other thing is um, the two moments of silence before a game. Uh, usually in the locker room, the Lord's Prayer and the National Anthem on the sideline. I mean, it really gives you a time to reflect. I used to look around at some of the other guys, you know, uh, uh, and just like, okay, this is a special group of people, et cetera, and the excitement and the buildup to it. But the reality is the team physician's job is least important on Sunday in some ways. Right. There are the special occasions when someone is hurt and you can do something to get them back in the game. Yes, absolutely. When someone's hurt, you are there to reassure them and say, OK, this may be what it is to give them some peace of mind, you know, even if they're not in the game anymore uh, or reassure them they're OK to go back in. That's the glamour stuff. But the reality is it's a uh, 365 job. And I mean that from, um, you know, obviously Monday. During the football season, Monday is the most important day because you're really getting an idea of what's happening and projecting for the team, who's going to be available, not, and what the week will look like and beyond. So during the football season, Monday is the most important day, not Sunday, although everyone pays attention to Sunday. Uh, during the uh, Across the year, the most important days are probably preseason physicals because you need to pick up anything that's still going on and get people right before the season starts or things like the combine or pre-draft or pre-trade evaluations, physicals uh, and so forth. So there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes uh, to get ready. Look, for you, Ben, people see what number 51 does on Sunday and that's where the attention is. But I would argue your job is 365, not just those 16 Sundays. And Correct. in yeah. some ways, it's similar. Now, I'm not trying to compare me to you, but in some ways, it's similar. People see the one thing, but that's not what it's all about. It's about all the other stuff to get ready for it. Well, I think that's, that is definitely true in my experience. I've had people ask, ask me, and, and I can't believe they're actually asking a serious question, but um, they ask, you know, it, it, do you guys just practice on like Friday, Saturday and just play the game on Sunday? And I'm like, no, like we, we don't have, we technically don't have any days off during the course of the season. Tuesday's a, a mandatory day off from the league, but you know, as, as well as I know, 
a lot of guys are in the training room. You're getting extra workouts. You're in the film room. You're doing your charity work. You're out in the community. Uh, there really is no day off um, during the course of the football season. But let's let's go a little bit deeper into maybe just the weekly schedule of a of a team physician. So the game is played on Monday or on Sunday. You guys evaluate all the injuries either that happened during the game or or past injuries just to get an update on on Monday. When do you go and talk to the GM? If you talk to the GM, how often are you talking to the trainers? Like what happens on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday All right. know, leading well, up to the weekend? Sure. I'll, I'll go I'll go I'll go through a week. I've talked about this in my podcast and and and, and Ben I, I can't believe I haven't done this before but let's do a home and home or whatever and I'll have you come on uh yeah, the Pro let's Football do it. Doc podcast. But what we uh so one of the things I've talked about before on that podcast is, okay, let's see if I'm right here. And then we'll go through the an NFL week. When the schedule gets released, what's the first thing you as a player looked at? I looked at the, the hot and cold games. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted um, to know, I want to know if we're playing in Florida in September or, uh, or Texas or somewhere, if we're outside. And I want to know, are we playing in Green Bay or Chicago in December, late December? Well, I, I, I like that, and, and I would uh, expect nothing less. And I find it ironic you mentioned hot and cold games and you're in Minnesota. But I get, you know, yeah. <laughs> indoors and, and, and what have you. But in any case, uh, so the answer that I thought most players looked at the big games, you know, Monday prime night time. football, Sunday night football, prime time. Right. That's the first thing players look at. The first thing I think coaches look at is the division games. Right. Uh, kind of a situation. Uh, uh, and, you know, looking at the big division games and, and, and how they line up, et cetera. Uh, I think the first thing uh, I looked at uh, was the travel schedule. How many three day trips? Because most people don't realize it. The Chargers gig when I was the head team position for all that time was not my primary job. I did more things, you know, uh, and we'll go through the week in the schedule here to, to, to show you guys. But I had a, every orthopedic, every team position in the league has a, re, a regular gig that's outside of the pro team. Now, that's what most people don't realize. So I would look being in San Diego. At, you know, which games were three-day trips where I would have to cancel my Fridays and leave with the team. So that's what I would look at yeah. first. And, and what I always said, the wives and girlfriends, they always looked at the uh, holidays. Are you around for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Absolutely. Or yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so it's a little bit different for everybody. So the first thing that happens for me is we start with the idea that, you know, the trip, the travel, right? Uh, in terms of on Friday, and you probably remember there, look, you can't be ever be late, right, for the buses that go to the airport. But I was often one of the last ones on, not because I was being lazy or whatever, but I literally was trying to finish up my Friday surgeries before getting on that 11 a.m. bus, uh, et cetera. So it starts with preparation for that, for the travel. And then uh, obviously, you know, let's say it's a Friday trip, you land late Friday, uh, mellow out a little bit. Saturday, there's, you know, some meetings, there's the walkthrough practice that you would go to, I would go to, and then, you know, you'd have late Saturday afternoon, uh, and I would have early Saturday evening off, I usually would go to dinner, visit with a friend if, you know, out of town, but I always go back to the hotel for the snack, because that was sort of the final injury check, you know, whether it was back in the day, you know, we did, uh, you know, be it if you wanted a sleeping pill, because guess what? You're excited about the game. You're nervous about the game. You're a little sleepless. You're in a hotel room bed. So it sort of makes sense that maybe some guys needed some sleeping medication. That's what we did back in the day. And then um, uh, obviously Sunday, wake up early. Usually I was on the very first bus. On some occasions, I would be on the early athletic trainer's bus. But, you know, you get to the game three hours before the game. Um, and get ready with your supplies, IVs, medications. Sometimes guys would talk to you. It's not completely always busy. And then uh, 
there's a pregame workout that you need to go check out with the head athletic trainer sometimes, then, you know, uh, get ready for the game. And sometimes there were some, we rarely gave people pain medicine for the game, but of course, for it all is, was a thing. Um, IV hydration is, was a thing. And, uh, you know, you can get pretty busy before a game. Then, you know, <clears throat> then, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, the, the calm before the storm and you go out there and the game. And the other thing I'd say is there are a lot of times that I've been involved in a game and uh, I will come home and what I would always tape the game or, or VCR the game. I'd sometimes come home and watch it because when I'm watching on the sideline, I don't always get the same football experience. A, if I'm busy doing something, I miss some things. B, you're, for example, let's say on a uh, downfield pass. When Philip lets go of the ball, you're not supposed to look downfield. You're supposed to keep looking at Philip and, and the offensive line in case someone gets hurt. Uh, you know, and then your eye shifts downfield. And, you know, on a kickoff, you're not looking where the ball is. You're looking where the blocking is happening. On a punt return, same thing. So you're looking at different things when you're on the sideline. And sometimes you don't always see all parts of the game, you know, in terms of what's happening. Then, of course, evaluating guys during the game. And then after the game, usually there's a, about a dozen guys that have something. Now, I know there aren't 12 that are on the injury report, but Ben, you and I know not everything goes on the injury report. And I'm not that, saying... Yes, that is correct. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that the Chargers did anything illegal. This is league-wide, and it's all within the rules. Um, and then you probably would go to... Um, uh, then, uh, then you know, finally, you know, either you'd be one of the last take a quick shower and be one of the last guys on the team bus to go back on the charter. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, get home. Thankfully we were a West coast team. So travel headed back West was pretty good. Usually could get home about nine ish. Right. Um, yep. East coast guys have it worse the other way. And then, uh, Monday morning, uh, Monday morning injury check, uh, for all the players, we'd set up MRIs ahead of time so that we'd already have them. Then it would be, you know, go upstairs and look at film, uh, then meet with the GM, then grab a quick bite of lunch and back to my regular practice. Uh, Tuesday, a lot of uh, sometimes players would come over, phone communication with the athletic trainer. Wednesday, I would have my regular practice, surgery and office. And I always would come at the end of practice because, you know, there's new stuff to happen. No, I would not be there during the entire practice. So I think players used to tell me they like seeing me walk down the sidewalk at the Charger facility because that meant practice was about over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're always looking for little indicators of when practice is going to get over. Yeah, I mean, and uh, that, that kind of stuff. And then uh, same thing on Thursday for practice. Friday, uh, and, that, and I would be doing my regular work, and then we're back to uh, Friday again. And if it's a home game, uh, then I actually would not – be there Saturday, um, and then uh, the cycle repeats. So that's kind of uh, the in-season schedule right there. You know, I, I find all of that fascinating because as we're as you're doing all that stuff, you know, we're doing all of our football-related things, and we only see each other at those appropriate moments in the training room or maybe on the practice field. Um, I was talking to one of the head trainers with the Minnesota Vikings, and he was a, an intern maybe just for, I think it was just for training camp and maybe a little bit into the season. And I was asking him just kind of who he was and where he came from and, and trying, to, trying to get to know him. And I, and, and I said, do, are you liking this? Are you, do, do you like what you do right now? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm at a university. I was in some of the Olympic sports, and it was kind of boring. And he's like, the reason I love working with football is because you never know on a day-to-day -day basis what injuries and what things you're going to see. He's like, the, the amount of, of twisting of body parts and the crazy injuries that happen on a football field, it keeps me on my toes. And he's like, I learn something every day. Did you have that same similar experience and feeling? Because you've worked with athletes and, and regular people on a day-to-day -day basis but is there just something different about football? Like you just never know what sort of injuries you're going to come across. I get the Vikings facilities are probably different now, but the first thing when you said you walked through the training room and other things was uh, brought back memories because 
I spent that year in Minnesota there, right? And it made me think about the Eden Prairie uh, training room and, and walking in there and, and so forth. But in terms of why I like football, I, I liked it from a medical perspective because I thought it was a sport that you could help make a difference. Football is the one major sport that has doctors travel to all games all the time. Baseball, they don't travel, but now they travel for playoffs. Basketball, they don't travel until the playoffs. Hockey, believe it or not, doesn't travel. Now, part of it is there's just so many games, right? But I guess yeah. my point is, if you're not needed on the road, how much are you really needed at home? I mean, it's the same game. So, and football, you're needed all the time. And, and I don't know, I like to be useful and, and be needed. Not that I'm wanting players to get hurt or anything like that. If you look at the sports that I've liked to be involved with, they're sports that have action and have a lot of traumatic injuries. Not that I like Trump people to get hurt, but it's just the reality. For example, football, obviously. Uh, I don't call football a contact sport. I call it a collision sport. Rugby, uh, the USA rugby and Olympic stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, X Games, right? It's traumatic sports. Uh, and uh, that's where a lot of the action is. And not that I like uh, people to get hurt, but literally, uh, you know, there can be, you know, three quarters of a game where, you know, you're sitting there enjoying the game and not really doing a lot. And then in the next two minutes, first few minutes of fourth quarter, you're, you don't see the rest of the fourth quarter, right? I mean, you're inside doing something, you're doing something else, et cetera. So it does vary. But I actually like covering football because of the camaraderie and the complete team aspect of, of what's going on. And for me, what the sports side has done is I feel like it's, and I'm not experimenting on people, but we're certainly trying to be cutting edge, like leave no stone unturned to try and get a guy safely back just one week or one day more quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're able to do. And then that's what I think I'm able to translate into quote my regular patients because football players uh, in the NFL uh, are the ones always driving to return. Look, Ben, you know this. It wasn't the coaching staff or management saying, Chow, get him back in the game. It was players saying, buddy, get me back in the game, <clears throat> right? And, uh, and so informed consent, there were times we would you know, analyze the risk and players would accept the risk and it would work out and he'd say, okay, well, maybe that we can do that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, look at all the different examples. You know, obviously Philip Rivers playing that AFC championship game is a famous example. Just the, the previous season, not this season, but the previous season, you know, JJ Watt coming back from his torn peck uh, for the playoffs in the same season. That was pushing the outcome. And things like that, those are the things that, that made football interesting and exciting to me besides the camaraderie aspect of it because as you know ben look i'm older than you right but i consider you a peer and a friend and that's what for me made football special because i was lucky enough to uh, get this job early in life where the first nine years i did it sorry first eight years i did it there was at least one player on the team older than me and so it fooled me into thinking that was just in a, in, in a group of friends, you know, et cetera, uh, a peer group. The last nine years, not so much, but the players kind of felt like my little brothers. And they kind of still felt like a peer group. And then I got too old. <laughs> yeah. It's time to move on. <laughs> well, I think it's, um, I think it's inevitable to be that intimate with, with players and you really have, the players trust in your hands as far as a diagnosis and if things have to get repaired, you know, that's their livelihood. And so it's, it's really easy, I think, to kind of develop these emotional bonds of like, Hey, I, I trust you, you trust me, like we're going to do this together and you get these guys back on the field. And, and um, you know, as long, as long as, you know, the doctor's personalities aren't just so wacko. I mean, I, I can see how, <laughs> I can see how it, it's very easy to get to know these guys and and pull for them emotionally and get to know them emotionally. And, you know, you and I, you know, 
we we you know were were together off the field as much as we were on the field because of our connection with Junior Seau. Um, and the same thing with here locally. You know, Dr. Chris Larson with the Vikings. You know, worked with him. Uh, you know, we find out pretty quickly we're actually kind of neighbors. You know, just, you know blocks apart and. You know, it's like, hey, he's our, he's our team orthopedic, but he's also a great dude and, you know, a friend, you know, and I think that's the the part that people don't really understand is it's it's one big family, no matter what your role is. Yeah, the, the, no question. And that's just the, the way that it is. You know, Chris Larson is a good guy and, you know, is, uh, as well. And that's the part that that I enjoyed about it. But let me tell you something. You build relationships, not when someone is injured. You build relationships from the moment that you're your first time that you meet them at the draft, after the after your draft, or when you the entry physicals and throughout the year, you know, whether it's a training camp meal and you sit down at a table and say hello, or as you walk through the training room or or something, that's that's how you develop relationships and trust. It's not uh oh, heat of the moment and here's an injury, trust me, oh, it worked out and now you have to trust me. You know, it's people. You build trust over time, and getting to know each other, and and, and uh, I think that's another part of, of what I enjoyed because, as you know, uh, there were times that you would uh, make some pretty quick decisions, and you had to have a lot of trust. You couldn't go through a forty-five minute consent on something. <laughs> you know, you'd say, "Yeah, look, this is what it is. This is what you have to do." And and, and I and you know, I, I get the feeling sometimes some of that is lost nowadays because you know, uh, second opinions everywhere and lack of trust and, you know, the way teams are sponsored and it's, it's gotten, and, and the money is bigger. It's gotten more difficult, you know, I think uh, to function in the, the old school way. And now I'm sounding like a guy that says, you know, back in the day, I walked to school five miles in the snow uphill and back uphill both ways. Right. I mean, it is, it <laughs> we all kind of get there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, it is different. You know, uh, I, I do want to get into quickly your your new endeavor, profootballdoc.com, because you do a lot of great stuff on social media. You're also on Sirius XM. Uh, I feel like during the football season specifically, anytime you turn on either a TV or a radio, there's some sort of report by Dr. David Chow on, on the injury updates. But I... I am always curious about just the the sports injuries themselves, and, and I'll make an assumption here: are are ACLs still the number one injury that you have to deal with as far as athletes go? Well, depends. Like, let me tell you: on, if you're talking on a 53 man football team, hopefully the answer is no. Mm -hmm. uh, there's about one and a half. Now, not that there's a half ACL team statistically on an average year it works out to be about one and a half acl tears per team so you you hope you're the team that has none versus the team that had three in a given year right mm -hmm. and uh that's sort of the average that's across the year so you know one one and so there's 32 teams the average number is about 48 across a season so uh, an entire season including off season so hopefully not uh, so clearly the number one injury would probably be a hamstring strain, right? <laughs> That's oh, the number yeah. one injury, right? I mean, that happens all the time. Uh, and uh, But in terms of major injuries, I would say uh, still ACL, like you're out for a year and need surgery, but there's a second dreaded A out there now called an Achilles. And that's creeping up to about one per team. Uh, and... Uh, but the other more common injuries, you know, MCL sprains are probably the most common in a knee when you get rolled up on the outside of your knee. Uh, ankle stuff, you know, high mm -hmm. ankles as you get trapped. So, uh, you know, and a number of different things. And, 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 you know, not to mention all the untold other things, like, you know, <laughs> even I just did it right there. Just, uh, you know, another most common thing might be fingers, but you never hear about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. how, how often do you have a look? I don't know if you did this, but quite common to dislocate your finger during a play, pull on it, put it back in and finish the series. And I don't know about it till after the series you come off or or till after the game sometimes. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, so, you know, if you really look at it, I mean, uh, uh, 
uh, I think you've been relatively lucky, but if you look at any, uh, look at, you mentioned Junior Sal, if you would have looked at his hands or, or any D lineman or lineman's hands, and you look at their hands and you know they play football, right? And uh, so that's, I mean, that I, I did it myself because I, talked about hamstrings and I overlooked all the finger stuff. <laughs> that might be the most, most common one, right? <laughs> oh, and you talk about, yeah. So I've dislocated, I was really lucky. I only dislocated a finger a few times, same finger, uh, basically just lost the, the ligament there. So it kept popping out all the time. But, um, yeah, it was one of those things like it happened in practice and you would just like come off to the sideline, you pop it back in, tape the two fingers together and go back out there. I'm telling you, one of the most disgusting things I ever saw in a training room was not some sort of like bone sticking out of somebody's leg or anything like that. I think you might have even been involved. I believe it was Zeke Moreno, a linebacker that we had in San Diego, got his thumb smashed between two face masks. And they took off the glove, and his nail was just mangled and gone. And I think there was a little little chunk of skin that was gone as well. And it was just a bloody mess. And you guys had to, like, numb it up and then cut off basically, like, 90% of his nail. And I, I about threw up. Like, I was curious, but I almost threw up. Like, that's awful. I can handle a lot of injuries, but for some reason, that was grotesque. Well, yeah, and look. I can't specifically uh, comment because of HIPAA. I don't have permission, but certainly Zeke is a friend. He's uh, I, saw him. I haven't seen him recently, but not that long. But I saw him around, uh, et cetera. Big San Diego kid, right? From San yeah. Diego. And uh, yes, I was there at the time, but without commenting specifically, I might argue that the uh, that we didn't cut the rest of the nail off. We uh, Remove the nail that was already off <laughs> and, and, and tried to patch up what was underneath. Uh, oh, that was I, nasty. Hey, everyone. I'm happy to interrupt this podcast to thank one of my sponsors, PreviMedica.com. PreviMedica is the maker of the all-cat food sensitivity test in which I am a huge, huge fan of. I didn't realize that for most of my life, I was allergic to wheat gluten. That was the reason why I had uh, giant hives. My lips would swell. I've had to use the EpiPen one time. I didn't realize that the migraines I've been dealing with my whole life have to do with an intolerance to soy amongst a bunch of other food uh, additives and food products. And the all-cat food sensitivity test helped me pinpoint and gave me control over what I put into my body and thus eliminated a lot of these stressors in my life. If you feel like you're somebody that has brain fog, uh, emotional distress, uh, maybe you have skin rashes, maybe you have a skin condition, maybe there's something going on where you just can't figure it out, the all-cat food sensitivity test can help you figure out what that is. They test from 50 to 200 different types of foods, also herbs and molds and antibiotics, over-the-counter drugs. So maybe you're somebody with celiacs or IBS or Crohn's and you want to figure out exactly what is affecting your body. I urge you to go to PreviMedica.com, click on the all-cat food sensitivity test, figure out which is the best for you, and take control of your life. And use the promo code BEN-20 for 20% off of your order. That's right, BEN-20 for 20% off of your order. Get control of your life with PreviMedica.com. Uh I, I, I want to circle back to the to the ACLs and the the Achilles injury. What in your estimation, what leads to the ACLs and the Achilles tears? And like how can people prevent that? Because I agree, the the Achilles tear, whether it's Kevin Durant or some of these guys in the NBA, that's brutal, man. Like that is one of those things where it seems like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that was a career ender. Now the technology is getting better. The medicine's getting better and guys are coming back. But that used to be the one that like you suffer that you're done. Yeah. And look, when Kevin Durant suffered that, I think a lot of the basketball world, and at least when I was, you know, looking at because, of, you know, I've crossed over it in some basketball and stuff. Look, I've done some basketball with the Timberwolves and the Bulls, but the experience is not as fast as with football. So that's why. I've settled on pro football, Doc. And we are going to move in the direction of covering some more sports uh, related to the site and other things. But it, when Kevin Durant tore his Achilles, first of all, I always thought it was Achilles. And when everyone was reporting calf, and obviously then it's the 
Achilles completely torn. I think a lot of people said, oh, he should get a max deal. He should, I said, look, I think he's going to return to top form. Uh, and everyone was a prisoner. Oh, well, a lot of people were prisoner of the moment. Well, Kobe never got back from his Achilles. Kobe was mid or late thirties at the time, came back from his Achilles and hurt his knee and then kind of petered out. Uh, I prefer the Dominique uh, Wilkins analogy where he hurt his Achilles early in his career and continued to be the quote, human highlight film. And, uh, and uh, Kevin Durant obviously has made it all the way back. But it is a big deal, uh, and there are more of them. And I, in the news yesterday, I saw four Saskatchewan Rough Rider, I believe, players in the Canadian Football League in some drill, in the same drill. Four people tore their Achilles. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, got to find out too. more about that. I mean, uh, boy, I have an idea how it happened. It's an eccentric load. My guess it was it was some sort of uh, drill that uh, involved uh, wasn't from contact, involved backpedaling and quick change of direction, something, and maybe it was not enough acclimation, maybe bad luck, but that's a couple seasons worth of uh, Achilles tendon ruptures all in one day, all in one practice. Uh, but it is becoming more prevalent only because uh, you know if you take uh, the uh, a D lineman. Uh, Achilles. Uh, if you take uh, Terrell Suggs' Achilles, and he's you know has torn both, of them. his Achilles is really no bigger than mine. I mean, as you get bigger, faster, stronger, your Achilles and your ACL doesn't get wider, thicker, stronger, right? So yeah. what we end up doing is bigger, faster, stronger on the same thing. It's like you know a a a, a big truck uh, or SUV on a regular car suspension. I mean, what happens, right? Uh, or planting a bigger tree into the same size pot, right? This is why we're seeing perhaps more foot, ankle, Achilles, ACL injuries, because you're, you're, you're overpowered in some ways. So how, how would a, even a professional athlete or a high school kid or a college athlete, how do you sort of mitigate your chances and your risk of, of injuring such an ACL and Achilles and Achilles, especially because a lot of those, well, I'll even say it for ACLs. A lot of them are non-contact and it's stuff that you know, you watch and you're like, Oh, his knee just buckled or, Oh, he was, he was doing a plant and go and his Achilles ruptured. Is it, is it more about just actually getting out there and doing said drills over and over again? So your body's used to it and sort of strengthening all of the, the soft tissue around it. Uh, or is, or is there like, or is it just like dumb luck? You know, how do you how do you well, prevent it in, in, a, in a way that you take away those risks? A little bit of both. And you're right. ACLs are vast majority, 70, maybe 80 percent are non-contact in nature. Achilles are all non-contact, essentially, in nature. Uh, it's an eccentric load where you're you're essentially what happens is your own muscle pulls so hard that the tendon doesn't have a chance to elongate and it tears. It's sort of like uh, uh, accelerating uh, and on, a, on, a, on a speedboat so hard that you tear the tow, tow rope or something. You know, it's like, it's the quick acceleration change of direction. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of it is acclimation, right? We have more of these in the earlier part of the season. So acclimation to a sport, I don't know what happened in the CFL with that team, but it certainly is early season. And so, you know, a ramp up period is probably good. I've been a big fan, especially for high school athletes of cross training and, and not being 365, the same sport. Uh, in addition to that, there is uh, published ACL prevention programs that have shown some efficacy, especially, you know, uh, you know, the way that you land and, and, and knee angles, et cetera. Uh, and there, is, there are ACL training programs uh, online. Uh, Bert Mandelbaum out of Santa Monica has pioneered some for soccer and otherwise. And they have some success doing that. Uh, perhaps not instituting it at the NFL level because they've already been you know, so superiorly trained and, and quite honestly, naturally so selected. But uh, at, certainly at the high school level, uh, it's been shown to have some effect. 
You know, I, I'm, I have no empirical evidence to back this up, but I, I've, I feel like, and you mentioned that the total, the, the total ACLs in a, in a given year around 48, a little over one per team. And it seemed, that seems low to me. Cause I think, I feel like it's, it's on the headlines a lot. So it seems like ACLs in the NFL are, are really highly prevalent, but I would, I would say that based on where the training has gone from doing a lot more on the field stuff in the off season, guys are now finding the personal trainers to do off the field stuff and they're coming back in a training camp. Yeah. They might be in great shape. They might be in great cardio shape, but then you, you start seeing the ACLs, the hamstrings, the soft tissue injuries. And I would contest that guys are doing too many things that are outside of football, you know, doing too many things that are outside of your sport, you know, get your body used to not just a three or four day acclimation period in training camp, but your whole off season training should be explosive movements on the field to get your body ready. But guys are doing CrossFit. They're doing these cross training things like that's great, but get your body out there changing direction and getting used to this load and acceleration and deceleration. So, yeah, I think that makes some sense. Yes. Yeah. I think that makes some sense. Uh, look, I think you have to have a concerted program. Like it's great to get outside help and, and do other things, but look, I think the in team help and the outside help should be talking and have a concerted plan and program in terms of what's going on. So you're not working against each other uh, unknowingly. Right. And yeah. and yeah, I think it does make sense. Yeah. So, I do want to. I do want to um, mention again. Pro Football Doc is uh, is the new business that you've kind of picked up, and again, you're you're kind of everywhere when it comes to diagnosing things. And I think it's I think it's really important. And you hit it at the right time because it seems like fantasy football, um, all the sports gambling. People want to know: is this the the injury that we just saw? How's it going to affect this player? How's it going to affect next week? How's it going to affect the team? And you've been brilliant at watching an injury and saying, oh, well, Dak Prescott, yeah, looks bad. You know, that might be he's going to be out for the season. But, hey, Cowboy fans, don't worry. You know, from what I see on TV, he's going to be back next year. He's going to be full strength. That at least gives people some confidence, whether it's going to be for that game, that that next week, or for that player's career. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I do, right? It's the information age and era. you got all these replays and, and news of injury travels. And, and, you know, there's something in media, you're a media guy. I'm sure when you're broadcasting games, your producers tell you, don't speculate on the injury, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's one of the uh, unwritten or really written rules of media. Don't speculate on the guy's injury. Well, I, I mean, I would say I'm not speculating on the injury. I'm giving you an informed opinion from afar of what it is. Look, uh, Anytime there's a legal issue, you have a CNN or other legal analyst coming on who who hasn't been involved in the case, but says, well, it looks like this and this is what might be the outcome, right? Yep. I mean, and it's, it's no different than that, giving an impression of what it is. It's not diagnosis. Like when there are times that I know some insider information, I don't speak on it. I can't because of HIPAA privacy laws. What I do is insider knowledge, not insider information. Look, if you deal in insider information, the SEC will probably put you away on your stock trade. But insider knowledge to know an industry and know what's going to happen in the chip market, that's perfectly legal, right? And that's what I deal in is insider knowledge, not insider information. I'm not calling Eric Sugarman in Minnesota saying, when is Adam Thielen going to play? I'm right. looking at the video saying, hmm, this is what it looks like. And this is what I'm putting together. Of course, it's not perfect. It's just video. Look, when I start right now, I'm not no longer sitting on my couch. I'm in that. If you go to my Twitter handle, a pro football doc, you'll you'll see what we do on Sundays, and we may even improve that setup. Uh, it, it it's it, it's it's a mini version of of of, uh, of uh, 345 Park Avenue, the referee control rooms. You know, a yeah. mini version of 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 that. But look, I used to make no secret of it, and. Uh, and of course, for the Monday night game and Thursday night games, I am still on my couch. And, uh, you know, and uh, I remember once the New York Times wanted to do uh, an article on what's going on. They said, you know, we're going to send a, send someone for some photos. 
I'm like, photos of what? <laughs> you hang out with your kids me, on the of, couch? Of, of, of me watching TV. And they're like, well, however you do this. And me watching TV on my couch, however you do this. And, uh, and I, here's my joke, and you'll appreciate this. If you Google New York Times and David Chow, C-H-A-O, you'll see the picture. Uh, and the pictures, they're like, yeah. And I said, they said, said, it can't be staged or posed. We have a strict policy of the New York Times. They have to be regular pictures. You can't be posing or, or a setup shot in any way, shape, or form. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to just be watching football on my couch if you want to, like, you know, take pictures of that. And I said, and I might be in shorts and a T-shirt. He goes, oh, no, you got to be authentic. It's the way it is. And I said, okay. And I said, and my kids, my little kids might be climbing on my lap. And they're like, great, that's what it is, what it is. So the front page of Sports and New York Times, there was a uh, color, there was a picture and of me sitting in the living room or whatever, family room and whatever. And the background, you can see it's December because there's some Christmas stockings up and everything's really authentic. But let me tell you, with twins at the time there, I think they were, you know, three or something like that. I mean, uh, my wife will kill me for this, but that was a stage photo. The uh, the uh, bar stools are not always lined up like that. There were no toys across that floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a stage a photo. So, you got to do a little so, cleanup. So my wife pulled one over on the New York Times. I mean, that 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 was not exactly natural. <laughs> You know that every every wife and uh, mom would have done the same thing. If if I don't care what publications coming in town, if they're uh, if they're gonna come in your house, you're gonna do some pickup. You're gonna do some cleanup. And be like, we can't show the public this. this we can't really truly show them reality TV of how our everyday life is. Ben, Ben, if if you were in town and it's, and I told my wife Ben's coming over tonight, she said, "Well, you didn't give me a chance to clean up." <laughs> Oh, and I think they all do the same thing. We even right now, my wife is probably running around before the cleaning people get there for the once a week cleaning. She's cleaning before the cleaning ladies. So it's, uh, yeah, I think we all kind of deal with the same thing. But so what <laughs> what is coming down the pipe for you? I know that you said you're going to probably revamp your setup that you have, especially on game day. Um, you're going to make it a little bit more robust and refined. What's coming down the pipe with uh, with Pro Football Doc? Well, what I said when I started this was that if one year to the next I'm doing the same thing, I probably should stop. That means it's not that means it's not growing and whatever, and it, and it has every year, and uh, you know, and continue to do stuff. And now we're we're really turning into a business. Uh, we're bringing on some other doctors, uh, and and other sports. Uh, we're gonna be the premier injury site uh, in terms of all sports. Where you know whether it's Tiger Woods uh, involved in a car accident or the Denmark uh, soccer player who goes down on the field or, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard or Giannis's knee uh, and whatever happens to Tisa's shoulder will be the first and most accurate collated source of injuries for fans. And of course, that certainly crosses over to people who like to gamble. And that's the space that we're going to own. And then we're going to have more in-depth analysis like we do on Pro Football Doc. Um, where, you know, like going back to the last football game, uh, I said, uh, I, I picked 10 props based on injury information in that game. We hit eight out of the 10 in an article at OutKick. And I went on radio and media everywhere saying, well, who do you like in the Super Bowl? I said, well, the number one thing I like in the Super Bowl is over Patrick Mahomes rushing yards. Hmm. And so people would say, oh, because his toe's fine. Oh, I like it. No, no, no. His toe's hurt. And obviously he had off-season surgery, but he's well enough to move and he's not going to have any design runs. But scramble yards count towards rushing total. Sack yards count against passing total, not rushing total. And for that reason, add to the fact that left tackle Eric Fisher was out with an Achilles from the yeah. AFC championship game. But if you looked at pro football doc and look at the injury index of the field view, you'd see the, the depth chart and you'll see what happened. So what happened there? The, the backup right tackle who was in for Mitchell Schwartz flipped to left tackle, the backup right guard who was in for Laurent Duvernay Tardif who opted out shifted to right tackle. And you already had a backup left guard. So you now have backup left tackle, backup left guard, 
starting center, third string right guard, third string right tackle. And the third string right tackle, right guard, and the second string left tackle is their first game playing as a unit and starting together, and it's the Super Bowl. And they're going against JPP and uh, Shaq Barrett, and now also a healthy uh, 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 Vita Vea up the middle. Wow. I thought Mahomes would be running for his life. The injury, the over-rushing yards continue to rise, but he, everyone still hit it halfway through the first quarter. Yeah. So that's some of the perspective that we try and give in terms of in-depth analysis. And I don't try and be a gambling tout. It's just injury-based analysis. Uh, and if you really looked at the injuries, you can make these conclusions yourself. So I'm not trying to be a tout. I'm trying to be an injury information provider. Uh, you know, in this gambling gold rush, you know, I'm not mining for gold. I'm not telling you where to mine for gold, but I'm trying to give you better tools, a better sieve or a better pick or a better ax uh, to do your work. You know, in this uh, marijuana, a CBD uh, rush everywhere, I'm not trying to sell CBD. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, sell edibles or promote that. I'm selling fertilizer for you to grow better hemp. I'm right. giving you information for you to make decisions and enjoy the game. That's it. Well, it's an analytics driven world, whether you're looking at, you know, uh, wins over replacement in, in baseball or, or whatever, you know, everybody's clamoring for analytics and what you guys provide seems like it's just another analytical tool for your toolbox. If, if you are a gambler or you just, you just want to, you know, watch the game and have a better insight on cause and effect. Like, okay, well, you've got, you've got a quarterback with a banged up toe. You, you, you add, you add the offensive line issues. You add that, you add also the team that they'd be going against and, and their defensive line and their pass rush. You add up that equation and it gives you, it spits you out something that hopefully is, is, you know, a little bit more insight into the game and it gives you a little bit more interest in what you're watching. So, I, I agree with your approach that like, hey, don't look at us as like the the one stop shop for gambling information or whatever. Like, no, you're just no. another analytical tool just to help you enjoy the game. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And, you know, look, and there's a lot of fantasy players out there and you get a lot of people listed as questionable. And the definition of questionable is that there's a 1% chance he'll play or a 99% chance he'll play. Well, which yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but the other way is, you know, okay, he's playing, but is he a decoy or is he really going to be effective, right? And uh, so it's not every week, it's not all the time, and hopefully your fantasy team stays healthy and your team stays healthy, but the injuries are inevitable and we try and be a, a place of information when that happens. Yeah. Well, listen, Doc, I know that you're you're at work. Um, you know, you, you took the time even to step in and, and, and talk to a patient before you go into surgery. I know this is a big surgery day for you, big surgery morning. So uh, I'm going to let you go. And, and I just want to say thanks. You know, we, we worked real hard. I know you worked really hard to find the time to, uh, to do this podcast and sit down with me and chat just for a few minutes. So I appreciate it, man. You can go about your day. I, I release you into the wild. <laughs> thank you sir and i'll capture you for a future podcast thank you yeah much. i'd love to i'd love to help out man uh thank great you. to talk to you uh say hi to your family and we'll uh we'll talk to you later bud thanks oh dr chow i'm so uh you guys thank you for uh for sticking with me on this podcast um i just have a smile on my face right now because you guys have no idea <laughs> How, how difficult it was to record this podcast. Uh, many scheduling conflicts. I felt like a complete ass being so pushy to to find some time for him to uh, to sit down with me. And uh, and he found it. He found it early in the morning in San Diego on his way into work, getting ready to do surgeries. Uh, so I, I appreciate his time. Thank you guys as the listeners for, for bearing with us. I know there was probably uh, some audio hiccups and maybe it wasn't the most clear audio out there, but, uh, I know my guy, Dave Yeager, uh, did an outstanding job cleaning everything up and making it, uh, and making it sound good. I also want to thank my sponsors, Douglas and Todd Bourbon, go to douglasandtodd.com, uh, check out award-winning gold medal, Winning bourbon made right here in the great state of Minnesota. Uh, we bet 
we bet everything that it is one of the best bourbons you will ever have. And we will put ourselves up against all the bourbons made out of Kentucky. Uh, watch out, Kentucky, because Minnesota's coming. We've got some great bourbon, and Douglas and Todd uh, is your go-to bourbon out there. And I also want to thank PreviMedica.com. You know, I've talked about my my health issues, my gut-related issues, and I, I would not be where I am right now and as happy as I am with my health if it wasn't for an all-cat food sensitivity test. It helped me diagnose my gluten sensitivity along with a bunch of other foods that I did not know that were that was causing some issues. It helped me get over my leaky gut syndrome and really just kind of take control of my health. So I, I have to thank the all-cat food sensitivity test. And if you feel like you've got something that's ailing you, skin issues, migraines, um, you know, maybe some, some inflammation in your joints or what have you, something that's undiagnosed, I guarantee you it has something to do with you, with what you're putting in your body and Prevy Medica can help you out. So go to PreviMedica.com, use the promo code BEN-20 for 20% off your order. And, uh, and that'll do it for our podcast. Again, Tell all your friends, your family, uh, use my the link to my podcast to send to them as a gift and say, here you go. Here's a fun little podcast that you should subscribe to on a weekly basis and find some really interesting people, maybe people you never really thought you'd find interest in and you find out how cool they really are. So keep listening, keep subscribing, keep liking, keep giving me feedback on Unrestricted, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.